there were three ordinary women on what seemed like a simple mission to find a film they liked. One where women got something to do and not just look pretty or be murdered. Which, to be totally honest, has complicated matters a bit. Welcome to Flicking. Yes, it sounds a bit rude. That's the joke. Hello, Hannah here. Welcome to this month's episode of Flicking. I am joined by Yosra Osman. Hello. Yosra's got a puppy, but we haven't got time to talk about that. And Mickey Noonan. Hello. You haven't got a puppy, but you do have most of the pets in the world. So. I have a menagerie, yeah. Okay, so I'm wearing my Flight of the Concords t-shirt, not on purpose, but what film did we watch that kind of is responsible for this t-shirt in many ways? Yeah, well, as well as t-shirts, let's talk about mud flaps and whether our gals got them, because this month I picked This Is Spinal Tap. Rob Reiner's feature directorial debut, co-written with its stars, Christopher Guest, yes please, Michael McKean, hello, and Harry Shearer, no, you're overexcited, is a mockumentary of a rockumentary, following one of England's loudest bands on a tricky American tour to promote their latest album, Smell the Glove. The result is the funniest, truest and most emotionally honest film ever made about rock and roll. I'm going to totally ruin the usual flow of flicking because I am aware that this isn't a first time watch for either of you, right? No. No. I love that. I mean, Yoshi, you've been doing this a while, mate, and you shut your head. Come on now. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. (laughs) She's distracted by puppies. It's fair enough. We all are. Uh, When did you first see it? Okay, so Um, I have to admit something really embarrassing here. So... I'm not going to say when, but let's just say until a good way through my adulthood, I genuinely thought Spinal Tap were a real band. <laughs> and I didn't understand what all the fuss was about this film. So I first watched it very perplexed without any context around, well, I'm going to say maybe four years ago. Okay, interesting. Uh, so quite fairly, fairly recently. And I didn't expect to like it, but I did. So, yeah, I think... Uh, I just don't know where I've been the last <laughs> 30 odd years. I don't know what I've been. Because, yeah, I, I really didn't know that Spinal Tap. It was a mockumentary. I thought they were real. And Hannah? At university, so I would say probably early 90s, which was probably actually the first opportunity I did get to watch it because I would have been too young when it was at mm. cinemas. And then I saw it and I owned it on VHS and then I owned it on DVD. I probably still do it. They're probably in a box under my bed somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that a million times. Okay, so without going into detail just yet, and though Yosra has hinted at this, it is also fair to say that it thoroughly licks your love pump, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I love it. I do genuinely love it. But it's important to say I actually love what it's satirising as well, which makes me love it even more. So there is within my extensive DVD collection a hallowed area separate from the rest where my favourite films live. It's on a shelf outside of the cupboard. Oh, Jaws, Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park. We've covered all those. Perhaps a clue for future flickings, a couple of pythons and Scrooged. And of course, Spinal Tap. I mean, don't make me choose my favourite child, but this might well be it. I cannot count how many times I've seen Tap, but I laugh so much it hurts every single time I watch it. Spinal Tap the film came out in 1984, but Spinal Tap the band had its genesis several years earlier in 1978 for a sketch comedy show called The TV Show. Great title. 
The glorious acorn of lead guitarist Nigel Tufnell, that's Christopher Guest, lead singer and also lead guitarist David St. Hubbins, that's McKean, and bassist Derek Smalls, Harry Shearer, was planted. Fast forward to 1984 and the release of This Is Spinal Tap to, um, as Josh was just sort of demonstrated, non-plussed, non-fussed, lukewarm at best audiences. The first time we screened the film in Dallas, Reiner reminisced at a 35-year anniversary screening, they asked us why we'd make a movie about a band no one had ever heard of and one that's so bad. And it was a good question. Tap might be lauded as one of the funniest films ever made now, but it was no instant classic. And yet... It invented the mockumentary genre, which has pretty much become the sine qua non for cutting-edge comedy. There is a fine line between stupid and clever, and Tap treads it perfectly. Reiner is filmmaker Marty DeBerge, on tour to capture the thrills, spills and testosterone of English heavy metalers' Spinal Tap. Nigel Tufnell and David St. Hubbins have been pals since childhood and in bands for almost as long. The lineup amplified by bassist Derek Smalls, keyboardist Viv Savage, that's David Caff, and a revolving door of drummers, but mostly RJ Parnell as Mick Shrimpton, until he explodes on stage. They're on a comeback tour of America, and well, it's not going too well. That's it. That's the premise. Virtually all dialogue in the film is improvised. The actors were given outlines indicating where scenes would begin and end and character information necessary to avoid contradictions, but everything else came from them. And as often as possible, the first take was the one that was used to capture those natural reactions. I think there are two stories being told in TAP. The story of what the rock band Spinal Tap thinks, hopes, believes, fears is happening... And the story of what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. It skewers fame, rock music, the industry, the neediness, the ridiculous egos. And it does it through a genius combination of outrageous, silly and subtle humour with exquisite attention to detail. In Tap, the ridiculous is the sublime. Because for all that our heroes are shallow and desperately chasing glory, they still have depth and are utterly lovable. Yeah, you are laughing at Tufnell, St. Hubbins and Smalls, but you're also rooting for them. And that, for me, is perhaps the key to Tap's place in my heart. It's biting satire, sure, but it's never mean. OK, Yosra, Hannah, turn those opinions up to 11. Mm. Go, Yosra. Um, well, I, I don't know where to start. I think for me... Um... <laughs> That's why I said off you go. <laughs> it's a big film to talk about. I mean, I... I think there's something around the fact that I've only watched this film recently, a few years ago for the first time. And actually, watching it for this is only the second time I've watched it. So I'm not one of those people that can quote it or knows everything about it. But I do enjoy the film. But when I first watched it, it was quite interesting for me because I guess it's one of the first sort of mockumentary style films I know we get it a lot on TV now and that's where I know. And mockumentary is actually one of my favourite styles of TV show. And I was watching it and I was pinpointing things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, so this has come from that. And what I noticed was it's one of those films which, although I haven't watched it again and again and again, I bet if you go back and watch it again and again and again, you'll always pick up something new because mm-hmm. every scene is just filled with like one-liners <laughs> and just silly bits. And I, I, I did, I really, really enjoyed it despite not getting all of it because I'm not into that particular genre of music. And I understand from people who are very passionate about the film that I've watched it with, that it is satirising some other bands and different 
musicians and that's where some of the humor comes from so I didn't get any of that I've got no interest well I've got a little bit of interest in the genre of music so I kind of missed a lot of that but still found it really really entertaining Uh so I think there's a lot to like in it and yeah there were points I mean the Stonehenge scene for example where I just crack up (laughs) laughing and I'm laughing for a good solid five minutes what I thought was interesting and it kind of links to yours was point is it's a bit like when we sat down and did citizen kane in rated or dated you get to a point where you just think what the fuck am i going to say about this that hasn't already yeah. been said but actually interestingly i kept seeing new things in it not new things that i hadn't seen before but what i think i mean is new influences like for example i kept thinking about that rap that kendall does in, <laughs> in succession which I think is the most visceral reaction I've ever had to anything that happened on television. I actually got up and left the room <laughs> and then stood in the doorway and watched the rest of it from the doorway because it was so awful. Like it was an earthquake. You were like, I need yeah. some sort of structure. <laughs> what makes that work is exactly what makes Final Tap work. And that is that what is good and what is shit should be about 96% the same. Mm-hmm. And then it's the other 4% that makes it terrible spinal tap are not a bad band as such musically do you know what i mean uh-huh. it works well they can yeah. sing they can play their Good instruments enough. all of those things and it's exactly the same as that thing with kendall the production on it the production values were huge it just shouldn't have been happening and it's sort of exactly the same with this in that if you've replaced the lyrics and what they're wearing and the terrible things that are going wrong on stage and just gave that to another band, they could make songs that would chart out of that music, I reckon. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the proper genius in it is. Also, I wanted to note that I absolutely love the Rest is History podcast. And they always open, when they have an episode about something, they always open with a really well-known quote from history, usually them doing it in exactly the same voice or an impersonation of it. And they open their Stonehenge episode with before the dawn of history and it's incredible to think that actually something a couple of comedians wrote as a joke is the most famous thing that's ever written about Stonehenge in many ways it's the most recognizable thing about Stonehenge and that is the sort of ubiquitous power of this is Spinal Tap is that it just continues to give nuggets forever it is the gift that keeps on giving and usually when we talk about a film particularly on Rated or Dated we'll talk a bit about its legacy but I was just oh there's just too much to unpack as to what Spinal Tap has gone on to influence where you can see parts of it and I find it really interesting Yosra that you're coming at it sort of more backwards than Hannah and I because you've only just seen Spinal Tap but you're like oh wow and you're like I love mockumentary which wouldn't maybe exist if it wasn't for Spinal Tap certainly it was the forefather of it Um, oh my god them as your dads anyway just it is the forefather of it so like IMDB normally only allows users to rate films up to 10 stars but specifically for Spinal Tap you're allowed to rate it at 11 11 the the, the iPlayer's highest volume Oh, yes. is that the next list, thing on your list? The BBC iPlayer's volume also goes up to 11. And it's just, you know, unless you know to look at it, that's not something, but there's someone at the BBC has gone, I fucking love Spinal Tap. We're doing that. We're making that happen. I wanted to ask you what your favourite bit is. Oh man, that's so hard. I know, I didn't say these questions would be easy. That's so hard. It's not my favourite bit, but I do want to mention 
the getting lost backstage bit. I was just having, about to say that. <laughs> having been backstage an enormous amount of times myself, they are quite complicated. There is something believable in that. I can remember me and Sarah and Jen having to be accompanied when we were in, uh, uh, I think we're maybe, it wasn't Cheltenham, but it was one of the places we did a gig in, what's the spa place? Leamington. Leamington Spa. Yeah. I think we were in Leamington Spa. And, you know, at, the joke is there. It's always there. And you and I... I've shouted hello Je- Cleveland so many times. <laughs> but do you remember the first time we went to... When Jen lived in those flats and we had to go through the back entrance and we both at the same time said, this is like Spinal Tap. <laughs> well, I think we both at the same time just went, hello Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually it might be what it ends with. That just brilliant joke that they end with when Nigel Tufnell says, well, I don't know, what are the hours? <laughs> that always makes me roar laughing. Amazing. Yosra, as someone fresh to it, what what stood out for you? I was actually going to say the the Hello Cleveland and getting lost bit because I don't know. I don't think I found it as funny the first time. For some reason, when I watched it yesterday, I found it hilarious. <laughs> just the looks of bewilderment as well. Just cut, just cracked because it's such an easy scene to be so stupid or not be funny at all, mm. and yet somehow they made it hilarious. And, and then the other the other bit that probably made me laugh was the the miniature bread bit (laughs) 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 which again which I I now know Mickey that I've got to see this film more times because I don't remember finding that as funny (laughs) the first time that I watched it but yesterday I was roaring my head off of laughter I thought it was hilarious and the little pimento olives when he's like who's in here (laughs) the little guy's in here who's in here no one and just throw away lines that I picked up on where I think they, they can't get a gig in Boston and, and, and he says, oh, well, Boston's oh, not yeah. a really big college. It's not a really big college <laughs> town anyway. And it's just a throwaway line that I wouldn't have noticed. Mm. Just, again, had me proper laughing. It's the attention to details. And I guess this comes with the re-watching, re-watching, re-watching. But there's a bit right at the beginning where Marty DeBerge, Rob Reiner, is talking to camera and he goes to cross his arms and then he changes his mind and just undoes his arms again. And it's just so fucking perfect and wonderfully observed and very, very funny. Nigel, Nigel wins it for me. Anything where Christopher Guest is on the screen, I am just like, I'm, I'm crying laughing just thinking about it, like tears in my eyes right now. He's just so glorious. Do you like Tufnell, St. Hubbins and Smalls? I did. I did. I did. Sorry, I thought Hannah was going to come in, and that's why I just silently nodded. But um, (laughs) I think, despite all their (laughs) their nonsense, they're quite endearing characters, and I think that adds to the the charm of the film. So um, I do quite like them. Yeah, and they feel like I do like them, and they feel like because obviously they know each other. In many ways, they feel like a cohesive unit. The scene where they go through airport security. And, and Harashira has got to take all that stuff off and they're not in it but you can hear them laughing yeah. off screen and that could well just be them laughing yeah. as themselves or it could be them in character laughing it's indistinguishable from it they've nailed that one of our number is being mortified let's all let's all laugh at it and find a laddie stuff that happens yeah so uh yeah A little side note, when I interviewed Harry Shearer in my Metro days many, many years ago, it was not about Spinal Tap, obviously. It was about something he was doing at the Edinburgh Festival. Want to guess how much was actually about Spinal Tap in the interview? Quite a lot. Quite a lot. 94%. (laughs) And he answered every single question I asked him about Spinal Tap in Derek Smalls' voice. It was marvellous. 
the interesting thing about the voice, and again, this just goes speaks to how how influential it is. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to quite a lot of American politics podcasts, and their go-to British accent is always Spinal Tap. That's what it is. It's Nigel Papel. When you hear someone mm-hmm. trying to do a, oh, you know what they say over in England, is that's exactly where it comes from. That or Bridget Jones, I think, is is the other sort of, you know, the posh. The, no, I'm not saying it's a Bridget Jones, but that sort of posh pitch is the other accent. But mm-hmm. yeah. So it is clearly set in the 1980s and it absolutely revels in being 80s. It's gloriously 80s. Oh my God, the outfits. We could do a separate podcast just on their trousers. But I do feel like it sort of hasn't dated at all. Do you agree? Well, I mean, yes, I do agree because, like I say, I am a massive fan of rockumentaries they are just glorious there's so many great ones that i would i would recommend and absolutely if you don't like the band or you've never heard of the band all the better sometimes you don't have to watch a, a rockumentary but are I mean, we talking anvil the story of anvil anvil the story of anvil is incredible uh, my other two favorites are some kind of monster which is the metallica, metallica. documentary mm. which is unwittingly one of the funniest films ever made i don't think they realized it was going to be one of the funniest films. And the other is Dig, which is about the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jones Massacre, which is in part unbelievably profound without trying to be. So actually how much, how they're structured or whatever is a result of, of the way that, because they both come post Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. So whether or not there is a, a Spinal Tap sort of edge to them, I don't know. Or you could say that Spinal Tap successfully predicts, you know, some kind of monster by about I don't know five six years mm-hmm. Yosra it's difficult for me to answer if I'm being totally honest with you in terms of if it if it's dated or not I think from a comedy perspective no um but for me I have to admit the first time I watched it I did think I was watching something that was quite dated <laughs> but that was based on my naivety Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you need to stop beating yourself up, Yosra. So many people thought they were real. And they do talk. I know, but it's just so ridiculous because, you know, the thing is, being part of a sort of a film circle of friends and talking about films all the time, I have been part of, for years, conversations about this is Final Tap. And never once during these conversations did it hit me that this this was this was not a real <laughs> band. So that's why I'm beating myself. Fair up. enough. Continue beating yourself up. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought of another bit that I absolutely love, and it's when they go to that army base and he's doing that chat, and they have that really awkward conversation, and then it just slam cuts into sex fall. <laughs> it's just so bright. <laughs> Oh, glorious cameo from Fred Willard there. Yeah, totally. The songs then, let's talk about the songs, given that Hannah's just mentioned Sex Farm, which as we all know is really big in Japan. I genuinely fucking love the songs, but I will do the massive caveat that I am a heavy metal fan. I really love cheesy rock. I had a big... It was teetering on an argument with our music guru and my mate Liz Buckley about whether Guns N' Roses were a good band. She was like, absolutely not, they're awful. I'm like, you might not like them, but they're really good. And it is that. They are ridiculous too, I can see that. But I think the songs are great. Big Bottom is misogynistic joy about having a, you know, it's Fat Bottom Girls. It's a little bit of Queen in there. And I think rock and roll creation, very underrated. Any thoughts on the songs? Actually, I'm going to start with Yosra because you did say this kind of music is not your bag. As it wouldn't you over. Really. <laughs> I mean, it's not really my, my... 
I mean, I like I like some of it, but I'm not a massive fan of it. And I think the the telling thing is, well, the first time I watched it, I think I, I was I was kind of busy or something when I was watching it. I wasn't paying full attention at one point, and I, I to me, I didn't notice the difference between that and an actual actual popular classic <laughs> sort of metal <laughs> song. Other than the lyrics, when I eventually started listening, I think we had subtitles on something. I spotted the subtitles. I was like, oh, but I think that's a compliment to the music Um, and if you like that sort of music then the the, the songs are good (laughs) Hannah? 80s rock isn't really my bag like 70s rock but that's what the genius of this is it's people who are still hanging around in the 80s trying to be 70s rock yeah I mean musically it isn't my bag but like I said earlier I don't think it's bad I think it's just not me I think that's what's clever about it I mean if they couldn't play their instruments that would be the joke would be on the film and it's not it's you know the joke's on the band if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah i'm not really a guns and roses fan or or anything like that anyway <laughs> there's lots of themes within spinal tap but there's, there's quite a serious theme i think and that is one that i feel is true now as well and it's that struggle to stay relevant when you watch it now they're really young and they've been through so many iterations trying to keep mm. their fans and they're exhausted by it. You can kind of see that they're exhausted by it. And I think if anything, the struggle to stay relevant has become even more relevant as, you know, things move so, so swiftly in all sorts of industries, thanks mm. to technology. Yeah, I mean, agreed. That is the sort of, that's the tragedy. I mean, that's the tragedy of Anvil. That's what makes it so great is they're just not gonna that it's not gonna work no. they're never gonna be what they want to be but also you know you look at them and you think and that's what is so genius about that working in a shoe shop conversation is <laughs> a hat shop it's not a shoe shop it's a chapeau shop which is even funnier <laughs> but you know what else are they fit to do these people it is interesting that's what, again what what i love about dig i don't know if you've ever seen dig but what you see is the more talented band failing and the less talented band progressing because they are more able to be shaped. They are more flexible. They're more, you know, able to be pushed towards what the market wants. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting. You should watch Dig. I don't know if you've ever seen it. She's gone off on a tangent. Okay, right. So bearing in mind uh, all of the love that has, has gone before on this, you know, which has been an absolute joy for me just to have a big old loving about my favourite film. But I have some potentially exciting news this May, Rob Reiner announced a 40th anniversary sequel featuring guest McKean and Shearer is in the works. How do we feel about this? Well, you know how I feel about it, Mickey, because I'm always deeply suspicious and nervous about doing things that don't necessarily have to be done. And, you know, sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes a TV series should have a second series. Sometimes it's Happy Valley. Sometimes it's Russian Doll. I don't know. I'll wait and see what happens until it arrives and I and I'll watch it. A fair answer from Dunleavy there. Yosra? I'll watch it for sure. I'm always a bit dubious about these kinds of things, but um, it's great to have guests here, et cetera, on it as well. I, I, I love guests in, in this is Spinal Tap, actually, definitely my fave. So it'll be interesting. I'm intrigued, let's say, to see to see what they do. 
probably come as no surprise to either of you or indeed the listeners, but I am really fucking excited. I am really excited. <laughs> I share your dubiosity. Is that a word? I share it app- is now. <laughs> I share your apprehension about sequels. Absolutely. But I really trust these four to create something amazing. And Rona said in various interviews that like they've been asked to do a sequel for so, so long. And they've been like, yeah, but we've not got a story to tell, but they've come up with a story mm. to tell now and also Spinal Tap has never really gone away they have toured they've done like little comeback tours they've released albums well even if it turns out that it wasn't the right thing to do it will be riddled with pathos and therefore it will be this is Spinal Tap I think exactly that I'm going to go away, maybe pat myself on the back for a while and make myself a sandwich where the, the middle's too big for the bread in celebration. <laughs> just fold it in half. <laughs> no, 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 but then it just keeps, just, it just crumbles, just look, look, no. Yosra, it's your pick next time. What, what are we watching? Yeah, so um, I've actually I've spoken definitely to Hannah about this film before, but I haven't chosen it for flicking yet. And um, it'll be interesting to see how we think of it as it's aged, but I'm going to go for West Side Story. Ooh. Um, the 1961 musical. We can talk about the remake if we want to, but yeah, I'm thinking specifically the 61. Jen is going to be jealous. Jen absolutely loves that. She West fucking loves story. the Jets, doesn't she? She just really likes mm. the clicking, the aggressive clicking. She loves it. <laughs> <laughs> Standard issue for all women.